With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, happy New Year's, people. Welcome to Strange Talk with Doc. I haven't spoken to you for a minute since I did my 2022 wrap-up episode. So I want to say Happy New Year's once again. Happy 2023. I hope that God blesses you, and I hope that God blesses your family with whatever you need. If it's financial miracle, if it is a physical miracle, emotional miracle, a health situation that your family is dealing with, I hope that God blesses you and yours. And I just want to say that if you, this is your first time listening, I welcome you to the show. If you have listened to me in the past, you already know the deal. I like to start off with a subject matter before I get to the news, to the sports, to the RIPs, politics, and television, entertainment, and that type of thing. And today's topic is the cloth that I am made of is no longer in production. And I am nobody's moral center. All I'm basically saying, and this is not me being arrogant, this is not me being judgmental, this is not me uh, lacking humility. We all have our own idiosyncrasies that make us different and make us special. So when you hear somebody say that the cloth that they're made of is no longer in production, as long as they say it in the proper way, if they're just talking about proper behavior, principles of right and wrong, ethics, codes, being non-conforming, non-judgmental, having a strong character, integrity, making good choices, and making sure that the greater good is done, even if it hurts them to do so, with all humility, you can take that with a grain of salt. Now, we are uncommon because we are unique. Each and every one of us are unique creatures. What works for me will not work for you. What works for the next person won't work for you either. But there are some common denominators of rights and wrongs, goods and bads. You don't need a Bible, a Quran, or a book of any sort to tell you. Inside your body is a soul is a heart, is a spirit that tells you what is right, what tells you what is wrong, and what you should do to make sure that your choices are good, that you're productive and not counterproductive towards mankind. Our business is our brother and our sister are our business. That's what we're placed on this planet to do, to make the greater good better. Now, I am nobody's moral center because I definitely have made mistakes in life. There are going to probably be people who hate me. And I have to learn to live with that. And I might have earned that. But I also 
do the best that I can to right my wrongs if I am given the opportunity. We are not always given the opportunity. So for someone to feel that way about me, that's on them. And they might be well within their rights to do so. I don't begrudge somebody for feeling that way. I might have wronged them in a manner that they find unforgivable. And you know what? That is also on me. I said originally it's on them because they feel that way, but it's on me because I didn't do everything maybe within my powers to straighten that situation out. But I don't go out of my way to make people feel that way. I'm not above any other human being. I am not perfect, nor do I claim to be perfect, nor do I always walk on the straight and narrow. I think some things that may be wrong. I do some things that are wrong. I am a human being. I'm trying to right my ship. I'm not trying to keep it in muddled waters, mucky waters, dirty waters. I do want to be better than I was yesterday. And I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. And I thank you for sticking with me. And just remember that you and your cloth are unique. It doesn't make it right doesn't make that your cloth, maybe your cloth shouldn't be in production anymore. And don't think that your moral standards are better than anybody else's moral standards because the words that come out of people's mouth don't always reflect the actions of their heart. They might actually hide the actions of their heart from you. But now we're going to move on to the regular portion. I really only know one way. Okay, I'm not saying that my way is the right way. My way should be your way. My way is perfect. No, it's not. It's full of faults. It's full of all kinds of missteps. But it's the way that I know. It's the way that works for me. I'm an all-the-way-in person or all-the-way-out person. I don't believe in being lukewarm. You're going to be hot or you're going to be cold over a subject matter. And that's the way it should be. You know, with mistakes, you have to live with your consequences. I am usually always willing to live with my consequences. I'm not trying to run away from a situation that I created. I believe and respect people who feel that way. Somebody told me this week that I shouldn't touch on politics. They gave me no reason. They just recommend that I shouldn't. And to me, I call BS on that because how dare you tell a stranger what they should or should not do and don't even quantify the reasons why you feel that way. If I said something that was wrong, I always open these doors and say, you're welcome to call in. You're welcome to welcome to correct me. But to just tell me that I should not do something as an adult, especially when I'm a black male in America and it's a white woman telling me this, I, I found it offensive. You know what we do? We learn to fix stuff. We learn to correct stuff. I already told you that I'm not willing to beg, plead, or suffer a fool to be a friend. I mean, I just don't go out of my way to do anything that I consider to be wrong, morally wrong. I have a compass that's built inside me. I don't need a Bible. I don't need a Quran. I don't need a Torah. I don't need a guru to tell me which is right and what is wrong. I have a spirit within me that tells me when I'm doing something that's off center, when I'm doing something that does not make sense, when I'm doing something that just doesn't feel right or smell right. And when I do that, I stop instantly. I try to correct myself. 
far from perfect once again never gonna claim perfection our goal is to try to be as close to perfection as possible when we always show show fall short it's just the way it goes it's just the way it goes my way the highway could be the wrong way it might cost me my soul but those are the consequences that i am willing to live with now if you do what you do and it works for you and it works for yours i am not trying to tell you to do it any other way but the only thing i say is try to help more than you hurt try to build up more than you destroy try to comfort more than you saw cause conflict and suffering to others and that's basically it that's my way that's the real way that i know this is the way that i have been born and raised to be this is what blends in with my soul this is what blends in with my decency this is what blends in with what my parents has taught me how to go about life i try to love as much as i possibly can but i'm not gonna sit here and say i'm some kind of angel and i love everything and everybody no i do not i'm not a fraud either okay so you figure out what is your really only way you know how to go about doing things teach others maybe you have some keys some some disciplines in your way that will strengthen somebody who is weaker than you who is looking in 5,000 different directions for a way to go about living life. And you might be at help. And if you are help to another human being, you are a blessing. And I say, but let's the move topic on for today is that I am not, and I am stating emphatically, Doc is not with cancel culture. But I am going to tell you what I am with. I am with publicly shaming those who make assholes, fools, and imbeciles of themselves. I am with humiliating them, causing them some friction in their lives because they're going out of their way to cause people who have never done anything to them friction in their lives. I am with calling them out on their nonsense. Okay, shunning is a hard one. I don't know if we should actually shun or as we humiliate shame and call them out that they will gain some form of accountability they have to be responsible i mean everybody has to be responsible and that includes strange talk with doc i have to be responsible for my words because they come with consequences almost everything that we do is cause and effect you drive too fast at night you don't turn on your lights you can crash into a medium you can kill someone so this cause and respect uh cause and effect should there be punishments yes people should be punished for what they do now naturally nationally internationally taking their livelihoods away i don't really believe that that's to fit punishment but there should be punishments once again that falls under consequences for your actions but if you punish someone you must then give them a second chance if they get a second chance, they sincerely apologize, they make some form of amends and don't ever do it again, then they can come back. People come back from all kinds of things. It's amazing that we shun, we cancel people who say things, their opinions, but people idolize serial killers. 
people idolize pedophiles, people idolize murderers, um, people idolize celebrity status for no apparent reason. Uh, they go out of their way to say that they are not guilty, even though they can be uh, evidence all the way up from the bottom of the ground to the top of the world, uh, Empire State Building. And you know what? We need to get out of the cult of personality, cult of uh, celebrity, and start thinking about things rational. We as a society have gone buck wild with celebrity worship, uh, which leads to all this Illuminati nonsense, leads to cult worship, it leads to people believing that everybody who has any little bit of success is a devil worshiper. And that's all bullshit. I mean, some of these people may genuinely be. They might be. That might be their form of religion. We do not know, but I'm not in anybody's personal life. So I don't put anybody in that box. Nobody, no matter what I see them do, I don't care what their videos look like. Unless they say it for themselves, nobody is anything until they say it. I'm not the judge and the jury on other people's lives. Uh, are there people that I have totally canceled? I can't personally say I've stopped listening to anybody's music because of this or stopped watching your movies because of this. I mean, what are we supposed to do? Never watch a Woody Allen movie again? We're never supposed to listen to anything from Def Jam because of uh, Russell Simmons? Uh, are we not supposed to... And some people still enjoy R. Kelly's music. I mean, so it's 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 a it's a tricky subject. I mean, you tread lightly because you know if you want to throw rocks, make sure you don't live in no glass house, man. Be careful; those stones can bounce back. That might not even be glass; it might be it might be uh, plastic, and it looks like glass because it's clear. And you wind up getting hit in the face with your own bullshit because. What happens to when you get canceled in life? I mean, we give rapists, we give murderers, we give pedophiles second chances in society after they do their prison terms. So, like I said, to, to, in a short synopsis, humiliate, shun, make them have accountability, suffer some consequences, make sure that they sincerely apologize, make amends. Stop following the masses. Don't let other people tell you how you should judge somebody. You have to judge according to your heart, your mind, your soul, and your moral compass. You cannot carry somebody else's moral compass. And I talked about that on a show previously. So you know what? Not with the cancel culture. But I am with some things, and I explained those things to you, and I hope that they made sense to you, and I hope some of those things, if you have not thought about before, that you would think about them when you just generally dismiss or discard another human being. Strange talk with Doc. Okay, so now on to the rest. I was going to talk about, and I will later talk about, podcasters. Are you ready to quit podcasting? But something has become more important than that subject but it fits into the subject matter per se. And we're going to spend a couple of minutes talking about Tyreek Nichols, Scorpion Unit, the Memphis PD, and Sherilyn C.J. Davis, who happens to be, I believe, the police commissioner of the city of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, there's a lot of things to break down here. Well, first off, let's start out by saying 
rest in peace to Tyreek Nichols. If you've been living under a rock, this was a 29-year-old black male who died three days after being stopped at a traffic stop. The officers involved were Thaddeus Bean, Demetrius Haley, Emmett Martin III, Desmond Mills Jr., and Justin Smith. I also believe that the paramedics in this case should be charged because they rendered no aid. Two other cops were also suspended. More than likely, they should be also fired. This incident happened on January the 7th. He died three days later, which would have meant that he passed away on January the 10th. These officers have now been arrested and faces charges of second-degree murder, aggravated kidnapping, aggravated assault, official misconduct, and official oppression. Now, the Scorpion Unit stands for Streets Crime Operation to Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods. If you are from where I'm from, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. That is an acronym for basically the Jump Out Boys. Jump Out Boys are not somebody you want to see, not somebody you want to deal with. They there to wreck havoc in your life, even if you're not up to no good. Now, this uh, Kylan C.J. Davis, she was the cur- she's the current chief of police in Memphis. She was previously fired from a position in Atlanta Police Department in 2008 because she did not want a sergeant's husband to be investigating for keeping company with underage girls. This dude went on to be convicted of uh, sex crimes. And uh, she forced the Atlanta PD to take no action, but the city investigated. She also became a commissioner in Durham, North Carolina. How this lady keeps getting to move around and about through the police departments, I don't know. She came off acting one way on the air, but come to find out she is the one who set up the use of the Scorpion units in Memphis. Now, this is ridiculous when I found this out. The Scorpion unit consists of three teams of 30 officers. 30 of anything is a militia, an army, a devastating force. That is 30 men with access to guns and badges with immunity to do what they want and how they want. Now let's get into Mr. Tyreek Davis. We've all seen the video by now. And if you have not seen the video, you've heard about the video. You've seen pictures of the video. Uh, This was disgusting. This young man complied. I don't give a fuck what you think you didn't see or seen. He complied. And for you idiots who said he should address them in a sir manner, he said, sir, what did I do wrong? Rewind the tapes. He clearly says it. He also voiced his right to say, what did I do wrong? These men came up to him and did not, or this one particular officer came up and did not do the standard Sir, can I see your license and registration? He told him to get the fuck out the car. That is not how you approach a citizen who helps to pay your salary. I'm going to tell you now, if you are a white person, you might have never in your life been treated like this by the police. 
a lot of us black inner city people, and I'm from Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, I am well aware and have dealt anywhere from 20 to 50 times in my life with jump out boys. This is how they treat you. They treat you with no dignity. They treat you with no respect. You might be in street clothes or you could be in corporate clothes and they will treat you in the same manner. Uh, There's supposed to be a way that you go about a police stop and it's never get the fuck out the car. It's your license and registration. And they refer to you as sir or ma'am because they don't know who you may be. They are just officer. You know what? You may ask them for their name. You may not. Don't ever forget you have the right to remain silent. You do not have to speak. It is your constitutional Miranda's right to speak or not to speak. You can wait to be given a lawyer as your mouthpiece. You do not ever have to speak. Don't let anybody fool you that you have to speak. You know? Ah, Okay. Now, with these jump out boys, and if you are aware of them, and if you have dealt with them as many times as I have, you have heard them use things like 1013 code, which is assist officer. You've heard them say 1085 need additional units. I have been in situations where 10 to 15 cop cars have pulled up on the block where me and guys have been just piling around. Sure, we were corner store guys. Sure, some people might have had a beer. Sure, some dudes had do-rags, jewelry, and I'm bell tattooed from head to toe, basically. So we might look like something, but we were not out there committing any crimes. But uh, this whole situation, this wandering wolf pack in unmarked cars, pulling people over, snatching people up. I understand that they got a lot of people off the streets, but what were their methods? What was the way that they go about doing what they had to do? Did they do it as though they were some paramilitary organization? And for them to be so heartless, because people say this is a black on black crime. This was a blue on black crime. They were emboldened because they had the badge. They were emboldened because they had the PBA to back them when they thought they'd go to court. As you've seen, they sat there and tried to calculate and come up with a story. Oh, that boy must have been on something. He's obviously high. Never told this young man. He died never knowing why these officers did what they did to him. You've seen that cop washing that pepper spray out of his eyes. This young man had no chance to wash the pepper spray out of his eyes. He had no chance to even comply when two men are holding one arm apart, each arm held apart while he's baton, while he's punched, while he's kicked. And at the same time, they're screaming a lie to comply and put your hands behind your back. How do you put your hands behind your back when two grown men are holding each arm? I mean, this was a fucking disgusting show of force. I hope that they all suffer. And I'm going to say their fucking names again. Taddeus Bean, Demetrius Haley, Emmett Martin III, Desmond Mills Jr., and Justin Smith. If you feel at some point in time any empathy or sympathy for these men and what they've done to their legacy, what they've done 
to their family, what they've done to their reputation, what they've done to that police department, remember Tyree Nichols. I didn't say forgive and forget. Don't forgive them for these actions. Let God stand in his ground and do his job. And you can be a human. A human will hold them accountable for their actions. And for those who think there's any way, shape, or form that these men will get off on this crime, don't fool yourself. They will not. They will pay the consequences for the actions that they have brought into this world. For the discord, for the cause and effect that is hitting other cities because the shit never ends. And we always... When you're black, you don't always go, when will it stop? You always just go, who's next? So don't feel empathy for them. Don't worry about their children. They did this to their families. They did this to their children. They did this to their wives. They did this to their fathers, brothers, sisters. I hear that some of these guys are frat members. They did this to their frat. You did not do this. Uh, And you know what, white people? I want you to have a little bit more empathy. A little bit more empathy when you say stupid shit online like comply. Look at the facts. See what your eyes really tell you and see if a person is complying or not. He took off because his life was in jeopardy. We come to find out that it truly was in jeopardy. These men hounded him down, man. They, they, I mean, over a traffic stop, they could have had a cop the very next day Told the car. I mean, they could have told the car that day. Had a police officer stop by his home at another time and issue him his summons or even arrest him. There was no need for this. I'm trying to figure out when are other people in Memphis going to speak up about the Scorpion unit and their contact that they had with these particular officers and how they were harassed and maybe beaten, detained without justification because you don't do stuff like this unless you can do stuff like this. And where was a sergeant on scene? Where was a, a, an officer who was in control and in charge of this situation? You can't just have five beat cops, one wolf packing around like a gang of thugs doing whatever that they please to whomever they please and nobody being held accountable. Why was it somebody on the horn going, why are so many of y'all over there? If you worked at Walmart and everybody was hanging out at the clothes uh, pants area, the folding bin, the supervisor in Walmart would say, why are 10 of y'all at the folding bin? Uh, Why are 10 people at the fry making thing at McDonald's? Your supervisor wouldn't stand for it. Who Who are the cops that's in charge? Or these guys just allowed to roam like a wolf pack all night to do whatever they want under the cloak of darkness. Now, they might not even realize to the very end that the upstairs camera was filming them because it seems like when they sat down and they realized that they now were on their body cam because for a good period of time, somebody covered up their body cam for a good period of time. And I'm going to tell you now, this emotionally hurt me because hearing it was just as bad as witnessing it. When I hear another young black man in this world had to scream for his mother, I mean, 
just in a desperate situation and no drop of humanity from any of them saying, stop. I mean, as we know, or as we found out, this Carolyn C.J. Davis did put into effect rules and regulations that was taught to every Memphis officer that they also had the accountability to cease activity by other police officers if it was going overboard. How did somebody not know that the first time that this man threw a kick to a downed suspect, not a mass murderer, not a multiple incident shooter, but a dude at a traffic stop. And why is a unit like the Scorpion unit even being bothered? He couldn't write the plate down, run the plate, picture the plate. I'm sure the technology is in his car and pass this off to a blue and white or black and white, whatever you want to call a patrol car. Uh, most cities have cameras that will apply tickets to license plates. They could have did this. This was not for a streets crime unit to be doing. Uh, I know that I didn't get in every point that I wanted to get in. Uh, I knew that I mumbled a bit, but this is an emotional situation. This is something that I have to deal with because you know what? It brings back PTS type memories of me standing on the corner with my friends when these 1013s and 1085 calls go over the, the radio and you go from suspects with a gun and there's no gun on the scene and the next thing you know everybody's on the floor everybody's cuffed people being taken to precincts and no weapon has been found it was because there was never a weapon on the scene uh you know what like i said be glad it's not you be glad it's not your children who have to deal with this type of situation but young black boys around america we deal with this. This is a part of our deal. This is a part of our understanding here in this country. We can rise above it. We can move on out of it. But there are times and places in our lives where there's nothing that we can do. I, this is like I said, it's happened no less than 20 and maybe no more than 50. But that is a lot of trauma to have to deal with Sarge and his boys just hopping out. You don't know if they're the gangster coming to kill somebody by mistaken identity you don't know if they law enforcement okay i see some of these cities now I'll make them wear at least a nylon jacket that said police but back in our days man it'd be two five dudes and do rags with gold chains timberlands and jeans hopping out on you and you don't know who the fuck they are because the neighborhood ain't the nicest so you don't know if it's stick up time you don't know if it's payback time you don't know what the fuck it is but you go on with your life and you stop judging us you stop saying that we're always in the wrong Tyrese Nichols did nothing wrong the only thing he did wrong that day was he happened to come up on the wrong cop at the wrong time, at the wrong place. And a traffic stop should not cost a young man his life, white, black, Hispanic, or Asian, especially when we let fucking people who do mass shootings not only walk into precincts, but some of them strut into precincts as though they did something big and appreciated by society. Now, I'm going to leave that alone from now. If I have another thought on this subject, I will bring it back up. But uh, get into you know what? I'm going to podcasters 
Are you ready to quit podcasting? See, situations like this Tyree Nichols situation might just be something that you can take into consideration because it's going to give you great content. It's going to give you a chance to voice your opinion because the biggest key to being a podcaster is you must respect people's times. You have to deliver consistent content to people. And sometimes the world gives you your content without you even looking for it. I mean, are you, you, do you want to quit because you're not getting the results that you that you desire, you, you you think it's too much hard work, you're not willing to change your tactics and how you deliver content to people? Uh, what are your expectations? Do you have a goal to become Joe Rogan or Howard Stern or somebody big that you see who also has a not only a television show but a podcast? You take the time to put in and gain knowledge of the subject matters that you are talking about. Are you willing to sell out to talk about just any old subject matter, no matter how irrelevant it is? I mean, are you willing to gossip about who's dating who, who looks hot, whose breast is this, who's that, who broke up? I mean, if that's your preference, that's your preference. Are you willing to persevere because failure is a part of podcasting. You're going to have some successful shows. You're going to have some very unsuccessful shows more than likely. But you got to be determined. Because if not, you're going to fizzle out. It's important that you get some artwork. You know, are your subjects topics or hot topics? There is a difference between a topic and a hot topic. Uh, get yourself a logo some introductory music then figure out are you going to be an audio podcast or are you going to be a video podcast me i choose to be an audio only podcast i don't need you seeing me i don't need you seeing my life i don't need you making determinations on my looks if that's why you're going to listen to me or not that's this was a chosen direction to go with audio versus video are you willing to always keep it real? You got to be authentic to who you are. Your viewpoints can be somebody else's viewpoints because you will be found out if you get viewers that two weeks later, you have a different tune to what you thought about two weeks ago to what you're saying today. Uh, they will figure it out. You're going to have to figure out, are you going to keep clean or explicit language? Are you talking to everybody? Do you feel like people are grown up enough to handle you being able to use language, maybe uh, it doesn't show your lack of education because you cuss. It might just exhibit your emotions at the time. You can't be lazy if you're going to be a podcaster. Not if you care about it or you will quit because lazy people don't put in the time, the energy and effort to, like I said before, to figure out, understand the subject matters they're going to talk about, have any expertise in subject matters they're going to talk about. Are you going to be a copycat? You're just going to listen to other people's podcasts and regurgitate what you already heard other people say. You know, listeners, subscribers are important. Reach out to them. Talk to them directly as though you are talking to yourself. Uh, tell them to engage with you if possible via email. If you have a website, uh, subscribing, uh, shouting you out, leaving reviews. Use your own personality. 
don't be inconsistent. Don't be one person one day, another person another day. Post one show every four months. That kind of inconsistency will not get you listeners. And I just said it before, always ask for reviews and feedback. But most of all, be yourself. So you have to ask yourself again, are you ready to quit? Think about some of the things I said. Because your voice might be a voice of reason that helps somebody get through it. Then I almost forgot one of the most important things. Why did you start to begin with? What was your motivational goal to start being podcast? Was it to be heard? Was it to be rich? Was it to interact with other people? The only person you can, who can figure that out because that question is rhetorical is you. And once you figure out why, then you'll figure out what you need to do to maintain. I wish you nothing but luck in your podcast experience because once again, everybody's voice in this day and age, there's so many topics. You might be able to help somebody in some way, shape, form, or fashion by being a voice that they need to hear at a particular time that's going to help them get through, that's going to either teach them or is going to guide them or hold their hand or even correct them in certain situations. So don't feel that you're ever wasting your time because you're not a Joe Rogan, because you're not big like a Howard Stern. And just because you're not making the top list on Amazon or Apple or Spotify, it doesn't mean you're nobody. The only person who could tell that you tell you that you're nobody is you. So I'm going to finish off with that. And I feel that I hit on that topic. I know all the rules, but the rules do not know me. And also I've learned through the course of my life that I do not play nice with others. Now to get this right out of the way, I'm not above the rules, so I have to learn all the rules. I'm not special. I believe in the law of averages. I believe in regulations. I believe in a code of ethics, right and wrong, and being proud of your conduct. I choose positive over negative, but I don't allow people to get comfortable with me. And the reason that might be is because some people might say it's the short man syndrome, the Napoleon complex type thing. But I've learned through my life, rules don't apply. You're asking for life to be fair with you. And the only fears that you will ever really know is state fears. That's where you get those shitty fried foods. That's where you go see fucked up animals, uh, things of that nature. You might get on some rides, but life itself is not fair. I was a pretty good athlete when I was a kid. Well, I'm going to say I was even better than a pretty good athlete. I could play all sports. I wasn't great at basketball. But being the height that I was, I wasn't picked a lot to play because people had preconceived notions that maybe he's too short to do this. He's too short to do that. So I allowed people to judge me in that manner because it didn't really matter. I was glad that I was built a little different. And with the complex or quote-unquote complex that I developed during this period in time in my life, I push people to the side. I learned to be very quiet, observe, not say very much, say almost nothing. I took in information like a computer. I maintained this information. 
I use this information to learn to be a cutthroat type individual. If you step to me with some nonsense, I shorted it, cut it quickly because I would have ammunition. You gave me the bullets for my gun and I would then use that same gun and bullets back on the person who came at me. And I was a bit of a fire starter. I had no problems taking on somebody bigger than me, stronger than me, who perceived they were bigger, stronger, and better than me. Because I would love to cut them down to my size. I talked about this on a previous podcast. You level the playing field. You do whatever it takes to level the playing field. I'm not trying to punch you in the face. I'm not trying to punch you in the nose. I'm trying to punch you in your fucking windpipe. I want to take everything that you got out of you and put you in such fear that you don't know left from right. You don't know up from down. So I played to keep each and every time. I was around a lot of people who were a lot like me. I ain't no tough guy per se, but I don't like to be fucked with. I never liked to be fucked with. I still don't like to be fucked with. Um, But I learned during the course of this time that even if you held up to certain codes and you held up to certain standards, you wouldn't get paid back the same. And it's all right, because that's the thing called life. Just because you treat everybody fairly doesn't mean anybody will treat you fairly. Just because you don't judge other people don't mean you won't be judged. Just because you don't take advantage of people does not mean people will not be trying to take advantage of you. So you have to be on your P's and your Q's. You have to dot those I's and cross those T's at all times. You have to be vigilant. Life says be vigilant. Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of those who are in your life. Don't trust if you can help it. If I could go back and talk to myself, I would even be quieter in my youth than I already was. And trust me, when I tell you I didn't speak much, I did not speak much. I didn't get to know nobody, and I didn't allow anybody to really get to know me. And as an older man, I still don't know too many people, and not too many people know me. But I'm fine with that, because I always am willing to pay for the consequences of my actions. There's cause and effect. And the cause is if you push people away, the effect will be that you will not have a lot of people around you. I keep my circle so damn tight that sometimes I'm not allowed in it. Okay, that's a joke, people. You can't keep your circle so tight that you're not allowed in your own circle. It's just a figure of speech. So don't take me literal on that. So you might know somebody who has the short man syndrome or what they call them, Napoleon complex. And then you have to think about what did that person go through? But they always picked last to play sports and could have been the best fucking player. You know what I mean? I, I learned to do things because I had no choice but to learn to be adequate or above adequate in everything that I did because I was judged as I walked in the room. See, now as an adult, it really didn't affect me because I had a presence now. Learn to develop a presence where I didn't get fucked with and I did not fuck with people because I never, and let's get this straight, like I said, if you consider a tough, tough guy to be a thug, I am not your tough guy. I never wanted what was in somebody else's wallet. I never wanted what was on around somebody else's neck. I never wanted somebody else's money. I didn't, 
crave other people's possessions. I am not running up in your house taking anything that does not belong to me. I am not trying to fuck somebody else's woman that I know. I mean, it's just, these are things that just will go against my code. And so it kept my name out of people's mouths. I was allowed to live and let live. But the rules are so funny in life. They're so weird. Some people are held down by the same rules that should build them up, held down by the same rules that should allow them chances. And then we sit back and we cry about these rules and we cry about these regulations. So what you know the rules, the rules might not know you. And like I said, that can include the rule. The, the law of averages, that is a rule. There's supposed to be a rule that the law of averages, every once in a while you win. Maybe you always fucking lose, or maybe you perceive that you always lose. And that's just a part of life, sir. It's just a part of life, man. There's ebbs and flows. There are seasons. There will be seasons where you will take winning for granted, and then you won't even fucking remember it because you're on a, such a losing streak, you forgot about the season of winning. So be fair and honest to that. You know, it's not going to be easy. Life is never going to be easy. It's how you make the road, how you pave the road. Did you pave your road and you could have had smooth tar and you put rocks in the fucking tar mix? You could have done it to yourself. Or did you make sure that the ground was smooth and clean and clear and there was no debris there and then you laid the road so we have to take some responsibility about how some of the things in our lives turn out now i was going to go into some other aspects of this but as my mind is clicking on it now it's no need up to bring up some of the negative reaction that i have as opposed to knowing what the rules are and the rules not knowing me but this is just to put a seed in your ear that maybe you're looking at life and you're saying certain things are supposed to fall to you. Imagine that keyword, supposed to fall to you. Why should it fall to you? What did you do that was so extraordinary that said it must be this way for you? You demanded that you're the greatest of great. You're the perfect one, that things can go against you. It's how you conduct yourself when shit is coming against you is how life will treat you really fairly. That's where you find your fairness in how you deal with adversity. And that's all I want to say about that because I don't want to go into a long drawn out detail about this, but you can know all the rules, but the rules might not know you and you don't have to play nice with others because social media is a nasty, ugly place. Every time I join a group in social media, I might have a, a one-week life expectancy in a group before I say something or somebody says something that I read or see posted that just turns me off to the whole situation. So I avoid people. That works for me. It does not work for everybody. I understand that. A lot of people are social and they need social interaction. I'm not a person who really needs social interactions like that. I like to keep it tight. We just so, had Super let's move Bowl on. Sunday. We're going to definitely get into that. But as the title states, people want to hear, need to hear bullshit, nonsense, and stupidity. And if you try to come off as being real or doing a real type podcast or vlog, you take the chance of being ignored.
And you have to understand that that's fine. You can be ignored by the masses because you're not looking for popularity per se. You're looking for quality. You want to be proud of the product that you're putting out. Uh, are you just doing it to maintain some form of image? Because my thing is this. I could sit here all day and take the Super Bowl and make it about Rihanna, pregnancy, ASAP, Rocky, but that's bullshit. You know, I could talk nonsense about just wanting to be a hot topic person and come up with something that's anti-homosexual, anti-black woman, just for popularity. But would that represent who I really am at my core? No. People don't want to hear anybody for per se. And it, or it is very hard to get a form of popularity or even a lot of subscribers, likes, and shares if you deal with serious subject matters. And we have to take that into hand. It's a sign of the times. Uh, do I want people to enjoy my podcast? Yes, I want people to enjoy it. But I also deal with news topics. I deal with sports. So deal, And I deal with people who have passed away. So when you bring up these subjects, there's not going to be a lot of joking and laughing and, and lollygagging around. I mean, you got serious shit that you got to talk about. And I, you know what? I take, I side on being real. I side on being honest. I don't care about mass appeal. If it appeals to people, it appeals to people. If people say they are turned off by it, I can live with it. So just once again, because I'm going to keep this really short, people want to and need to hear bullshit. They don't want to adult at all. They want to hear nonsense. They want to hear who's dating who, who wore what, who's getting high, who's fucking up, what's more hood than hood, who's a punk, who's a coward, who's a sissy, all that kind of bullshit, stupidity. And if you want to be real about a subject matter and you don't want to just be a hot take type person, you risk the chance of being ignored. And with that being said, I'm just going to move on because there's nothing further I really need we'll to get into. Tattooing a little bit before we get to the normal portion of the show. I have quite a bit of tattoos. I've had them for a long time. Some I've got recently and some I've had for 20 some years and how I keep them in good condition, how I keep them still looking sharp, not all dried out, no matter if I've been smaller and no matter if I've gotten much bigger. I'm also going to talk about my journey with tattoos. A lot of people, this might help people who are thinking about starting to get tattoos. They have no tattoos as of yet, but this is something that they have in mind. And I just want to give you a couple of things to think about. You could always reach out to me. Just hit me on my website. There's a email location there that you can email me if you want to contact me personally. Maybe I can help you out. Maybe you want to say thank you, or maybe you might say, you know what, I think you're dead wrong about this. So let's get started, right? I started out like most people that I knew. I had street tattoos, not jailhouse tattoos, but street tattoos because I've never been to prison. And street tattoos is basically like a, some thread, Indian ink, and a needle. And you sit there as a dummy and you let one of your even dumber buddies who think they know more than you 
put on some shitty artwork on your body. And to start out, I got about 12 or 13. And I'm going to tell you that in my neighborhood, I'm from Bed-Stuy, I probably had the most tattoos out of anybody that was walking around in 78 through 84 in the barrel of Brooklyn who was not going to Tony P's on a regular basis. Yes, I had Tony P's tattoos. So I'm old school like that. I've been there many times. And if you've been, if you're from Brooklyn, you know where Tony P's is. You've probably been there. Down the block from White Castles. That's the only thing you need to know. If you don't know that it was down the block from White Castles, you ain't never been there. So it's no issue. So you get these street tattoos. And at the time, I knew that I wanted to be heavily tattooed, but I didn't know way to go about it. And in New York City at this particular time, in the late 70s, early 80s, tattooing were illegal. Illegal in the city of New York. Tony P's was one of those rare places that you could go and actually get some flash art tattoo. But to take care of your tattoos, uh, I think that you need to get a body loofah. Get some form of body loofah, a body loofah glove. Get yourself some moisturizers, some good soaps that don't dry the body out. Don't use that body wash bullshit, which is basically body detergent, right? Stay away from those aftercare products that you see on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. That's bullshit. You can create your own stuff. Get a good sunscreen. And one of the key things that you're going to have to really do do you want to have traditional tattoos? Do you want to have flash art tattoos, which I consider to be those pictures that hang on the wall of tattoo parlors? Now, if you get one of those, hopefully you'll be as lucky as me. I have two or three incorporated in both of my sleeves, but I had those flash art tattoo pictures retired, meaning I walked out the shop with those. Yes, you can walk out of a tattoo shop with the picture from the art book if they respect you enough if you're good enough client or they said you know what i don't want anybody else having it after you you need to go to a tattoo artist who can draw freehand everything should not be from that wall that lacks originality if you're getting everything from that wall there's no originality whatsoever if a person cannot tattoo freehanded you also want to figure out what do you want your art to be? Do you want to have a black and gray motif? Do you want color tattoos? Does your artist have tattoos? I never trusted an artist who had no tattoos. I don't care about the popularity of the tattoo shop because in Las Vegas, there are a lot of shitty tattoo artists in popular spots. They throw a name on the door and it gets people to come in and first of all, you go to Las Vegas. Why would you get a tattoo in Las Vegas? You're going to go in there and you're going to fuck up their mattresses and their sheets by bleeding and oozing out uh, the Vaseline and A&D ointment all over this bed. Now you're going to have to pay for these sheets. You're going to wonder why did your bill go up when you could take care of this at home? You'd want to see your artist's portfolio. You need to really look into what your artist's portfolio is like. Okay, so when I had my shitty tattoos, and I've had some tattoos uh, covered up two or three times because what I picked later was also shitty, and then the third time it was shitty. 
And I finally found the tattoo artist in Brooklyn once it became legal. And I also had the money to indulge myself in getting tattoos. And he came in and he, we sat down and we had a discussion. What did I want my body to look like? This is no different than somebody getting plastic surgery or a haircut. You are transforming the form that you have into a vision that you may have for yourself. So I told him that I was free and that I would run with his ideas as long as it wasn't anything that I thought was anti my life. Because I'm not going to tell anybody that if just because you have a book drawn on you, that it's not what you need. You might, that passage or that saying or those slogans might mean the world to you. So I'm not here to judge your idea of what is good tattoo and what is not good tattooing. But my artist came up with two sleeve designs and it was a whole process. I couldn't see it clearly off the artwork because it's not colored. It's just blue outline. And he told me that this would take months to do because I could only spare to sit like once a week for three hours. But I said, you know, when the end product is done, I'm going to be ecstatic about this. I mean, this cost me, I guess, a couple of thousand dollars. But what we did was he put the outline on and he slowly colored in. And did he freehand things inside that he thought that he had missed out on originally? And in the end result, I have two beautiful sleeves. I have both my legs done, my neck, my back, my chest. So I have tattoos all over the place. Now, I did not do my hands. I was a working man. I worked in law offices. So I didn't think that hand tattoos fit me. I wanted to be able to get tattoos in places where I could button up my sleeve and it would be no issue. Now, yes, I do have a couple of neck tattoos that still, they are above the collar, but they're not offensive. They're not overly big. They don't stand out. I have a tattoo in the nape of my neck. When my collar is buttoned and the tie is on, you never know it's there. So I could be as professional as any professional during the day and then take my shirt off afterwards and I'd be transformed into a whole different view and a whole different look. You wouldn't even notice. But I wanted color tattoos. I'm a light-skinned person and I knew that color would pop on me. Black and gray just didn't fit my motif. I don't understand the idea of going through all that, paying all that money to have black and gray. It is beautiful on some people, but I think that color pops. It's nothing like oranges, yellows, and purples, and greens, and blues, you know, to, to make a point, to, to show beauty inside of a picture. We don't usually buy black and white photos more, more than likely, but there are a lot of people who are into them, and I understand that. So I am no longer stuck with any street tattoos. That's where I started, but that was not my goal to finish. I knew that one day it would be better. Now, I want you to start off with the idea in your mind that it can be better from the beginning, that you don't have to go through the additional hours of sitting. You don't have to go through the additional hours of trying to get cover-ups and then trying to find an artist who is good enough to be able to take your cover-ups and blend it into a cohesive sleeve and I'm talking when I say sleeve I'm talking from shoulder to wrist 
elbow, inside, outside, everything covered. I mean, you have to think about these things. This is your body. You're going to be stuck with this when you get older and you want it to be the best that it can be. You watch a lot of professional athletes. And so money is not the key. Money is not going to solve this problem. It's research because a lot of these professional athletes, either due to their color, shitty neighborhood tattoos, or no originality, they're stuck with these crap ass tattoos. I just seen The Rock yesterday. And I'm wondering what the fuck is that he got on his own? It looks like garbage to me. You know, Shaq with the big Superman tattoo on a dark skinned man, you can't even really see the detail of the Superman from a distance. Somebody should be able to sit across from you in a restaurant, two tables away, even in dim light, and be able to say, look at that work there. Because trust me, I have been in the streets of New York and people have wanted to take pictures of my tattoos. I've actually gotten into issues with people for randomly taking pictures of my tattoos without my permission. So look at your tattooing. Think about your tattooing. Think about if this is something that you want to do. Before you go to the drastic areas like the face, the neck, and the hands, and the fingers, think about what you're going to do to your life professionally. If this is going to be a hindrance or is this going to be something that you can move on and it's not an issue because you're in a profession where it will not bother you. Uh, like I said, anybody wants to reach out to me and talk about maybe the start of their journey, what they're thinking about, uh, if there's any additional things that I have forgot, because let's not forget getting them is one thing. Caring for them is a whole nother thing. I don't want you spending hundreds of dollars on bullshit products that are gimmicky. That means nothing. There's no tattoo goop. There's no cat tattoo bomb that you cannot create in the comfort of your own home, probably with products that you already own. Just make sure that you keep your skin moisturized, that you keep dead skin away, that you watch out for that sun. And get yourself a good sunscreen to protect your body and that you keep them moisturized. I mean, it's a pretty simple idea. It's a pretty simple concept. And I hope that you turn whatever you think is boring into the most beautiful thing that you think that you possibly can not only deserve, that you can pay for, and that you can carry. Because the tattoos that you wear, you must also be able to carry. Don't get a symbol or emblem to a group that you're not a member of. Don't get a symbol or emblem of uh, something that you don't think that you'll have these viewpoints 20 years down the line. It's very important discussion or the title of this show is men under 45 years old can't fight worth shit. Now I am generalizing. Okay. So I am not saying all men under 45 cannot fight. And I'm not just talking about physical fighting. So once again, I'm not generalizing. I know that every generation says their generation is tougher than the generation that was after them. We understand that. I am getting to the point that this generation here, well, this generation of men under the age of 45, and there's no one basket I'm going to put anybody in because there are enough men under 45 years old who can throw down 
I mean, mentally, physically, emotionally, and this is what we're talking about here. You know what I mean? But everybody, like I said, is going to say the generation that came after them is softer. They don't have as much heart. You know, I I know that. But we can look at YouTube. We can look at the world in general and see that men have lack of technique. They have lack of proper stance skills. They can't even throw a proper punch anymore. I try to figure out what all these thugs doing when they go to jail and they have to rely on maybe hand skills. I mean, where the hell is their self-defense? Nowadays, everybody just postures around. They look like roosters, chickens, talking, a lot of wordplay. You know, my generation, we slap box. Slap box to what you have to throw knuckles. Uh, I don't know if young guys slap box because it might lead to somebody getting their feelings hurt. And we also know that this is a, after the 1980s, we went to the gun generations. Guys did not settle things with their fists. No more meet me after school. This shit was happening now. It's happening during class. Innocent people being shot down like dogs. I mean, for no reason. My day, you would get your fucking chin checked. Okay? You ran your mouth, you get your chin checked. You get a fair one. I don't even know if a fair one exists anymore. You got to get down in 30. You got to show that you have heart. Your heart does not pump Kool-Aid. These kids seem like their hearts pump Kool-Aid. I guess that's why it takes so long for the first punch to be thrown. And listen, as a grown man who knows what I'm talking about, the last thing that I am saying is that I want to see two adult men throwing punches at each other's heads because one punch can change the other. Well, put it this way. One punch by either man can change both their lives forever. One can end up in prison because he murdered somebody. A punch land to the right place. You get knocked out. You hit your head on the concrete. You die. That other person is now at least manslaughter, second degree murder. And then you got somebody dead. So I'm not advocating fighting. But the ability to be able to protect yourself when you have no weapon, no weapon but the ones that God gave you, that's your hands, your feet, your elbows, your shoulders, your knees. These are things that we have to learn to be able to use. And it seems like other than MMA world, it's not happening anymore. You know, in my day, people told you if you were scared, go buy a dog. You know what I mean? I did grow up in the time of the 007. Everybody knows the 007 knives. Uh, you had the brass knuckle belt. I have carried that brass knuckle belt many a times, taken it off the belt. And if I felt that I was going to get into a situation where I might need it, the shit was in my front pocket. You know, think about it. If the guy's asking you to dip in your pocket to give him money, you come out with this thing wrapped around and you knock him upside his fucking head and the party's over. Now, the part that I'm talking about that's not physical fighting is the emotional fighting. It seems like stress leads to mass suicides or mass shootings. This generation suffers from more depression than a war generation. The mental health is in disarray at this particular time. So when a young man needs to learn how to fight, he needs to learn how to fight emotionally, spiritually, physically, and mentally. 
He needs to have all of the tools in his toolbox so that he could survive in this world that's trying to kill him, especially if he's a young black man. You got to be able to fight with your mouth because there are things called fighting words. Now, fighting words don't always lead to physical violence, but you're fighting for a reason. You're fighting for a cause. You're fighting for some kind of justice. And the way to do it might be intelligently stating your case. Uh, you look around, you don't have to rely on my word as gospel because my word could be shit to you. But look around, explore YouTube, see who's talking, see where the state of rap is where not even legible words are being spoken anymore. No form of English is even being sung in songs and people are enjoying it because we have regressed instead of progress. We have regressed to the point of almost nonsense. Uh, and it's ridiculous. I wish the young men knew how to fight better because if they knew how to fight better, they'd be able to protect their women better. And I'm once again, not talking about just physical. Now, if you want to take everything and boil it down to the lowest common denominator and you want to say it's all physicality, then you are free to do so. But when I am talking about a person who can fight, I already stated two or three times I'm talking emotionally, physically, spiritually, and intellectually fighting. These are all forms of combat, and they don't involve weapons that come outside of your body. Now, I am pro-gun. I've said that many, many times. That is a last resort ditch effort. That means nothing else will work. It is now life and death. And you got to do what you got to do. But that is not first course of action. I'm not at war. I don't claim to be at war. I don't claim to be trying to act like a warrior on a battlefield. No. But it is nice to be able to be able to handle your business at all times. I mean, and not sometimes because that one time that you're not prepared to handle your business is the day to be your last day on this earth. Now, I'm going to move on with the rest of the show. I hope you thought about that. Once again, this wasn't a knock on all young men. This is not some old bitter dude who says my generation is better than yours because the generation before me told us the same shit. And the generation before them told them the same shit. And it goes on and on all the way back to the cave. And that's just the way the world People works. act really scared and stupid when they drive near or buy police cars. And I want to find out if you're one of those people. Because it really makes no sense at all to do such a thing. If you're driving dirty, then get your fucking license fixed. Uh, make sure you don't have guns in the car that are illegal. That you're not high, you're not drunk, you're not driving under suspended license you have no driver's license your insurance is up to date your vehicle was not stolen you're not driving due to some kind of medical reason you had a stroke or a seizure and you still shouldn't be driving for the next three to four months whatever the case may be you hold up traffic you hold up a continuous lane that could be driving where people have no fear of driving by the cops because they're no long they're not dirty they're not up to no good. 
but you slow down everything and you think that the cops don't realize what you're doing. You know, they have the ability to run your tags instantly. And when you act like that, when you are a stop sign and they're at the same stop sign and you're scared to even look over acknowledging that there's another car there, they're going to be suspicious of you. You might get yourself a traffic stop for no good apparent reason other than the fact that you're driving so cautious and so scared because there is a police officer in a car nearby you. And that shit needs to stop. It causes accidents. It causes people to rubberneck. It causes people to run into each other because people are so fearful of passing a cop car when they don't even think those are just officers of the law. They might have other things on their mind. They might be heading off duty. They might be heading back to the precinct. They ain't even thinking about you. So why are you holding up traffic? And if you're holding up traffic for any of the reasons that I stated before, fix those things. Those are all fixable issues. You can get a gun license so you can drive with one in your car. You don't have to be driving dirty. You shouldn't be driving under influence of drugs, alcohol, or medication that you cannot handle. Uh, just be smart. And that's all I really wanted to say that about that. Because it's a serious nuisance and I want people to stop it. Stop driving like a fucking coward. Stop driving like a punk-ass bitch because the police car is in front of you, behind you, or on the side of you. It Our makes no sense. Today is we're not all kings and queens. Some of us play the fool, and I have to just be honest about that. You know what? I know a lot of times uh, it's kind of uh, become a thing when a young black person or middle-aged black person, I'll just say a black person in general, passes away. We like to refer to them as rest in peace, king, rest in peace, queen. But you have to be honest about who that person was in life. Uh, it's all right to be honest about somebody who lived a real life. You don't want to make them out to be something that they were not, something that they never expired to be. We have to realize that there are, in every kingdom, you're going to have kings, queens, you're going to have princes and princesses, you're going to have lords and dukes, but you're also going to have fools and court jesters. And you know what? I would love for us to all be kings and queens. But then there's no real kingdom to rule if every member of the tribe's a king and a queen. That's just not being honest. And in the black community, we make up a lot of things. We make up that court jester. We have the coon within our race. I don't want to mention names. And this is not what this is going to be. This is not going to be attack against anybody per se. I'm not going to, like I said, I refuse to call out names. It's not the show for that. If they did something that I felt like speaking up about, I would use their name, but this is not what's going to happen. We got the self-race haters. We have the black people within their own race who hate other black people for no apparent reason than the fact that they are black. We have the black apologist, the black person who apologizes to everybody else about their blackness or the fault of their race. We got the black people who have zero moral standards. We got the sellouts. We got the people who believe that white is right no matter what. I don't know how they were born. I don't know how they were raised. But they always think that white is right and black is wrong. 
We got the step and fetching type black person. We got the proud to be a nigger black person. I don't even understand them. I am so proud that I am some form of a nigger. I have never aspired to be a man. I never aspired to be a woman. I prefer to just keep it nigger. I don't. Then you got the don't care. I don't care about nothing. I don't care about nobody. I don't want to learn about it. I don't want to know about it. I don't want to be informed about it. You got the thug. You got the gangster. You got the gangbanger. You got the person that believes that pimping is cool and whoring is all right. You got the lifelong felon. It's all right to catch a felony, but when you're catching felonies from the age of 14 to 62, you're a lifelong felon. You, re- you lose the right to be a king. You lose the right to be called a queen. You got the drug addict. And I'm not talking about a person who gets caught up, but I'm talking about the person who never attacks that issue at its core and comes up out of that, but they dedicate a lifetime to it. You got the drug dealer. You got the person who deals death to other people in their community. And these are some of the people I consider the fools. These are some of the people who I consider not to the standard of ever being called a king and never being called a queen. They don't do anything to uplift the race. They don't do anything to uplift our culture. And we're going to go through them real quick again. It's the apologist, the self-hater, the coon, the jester, the sellout, the white is right, the step and fetching, the proud to be a nigger, don't want to know, don't want to learn, don't care. The thug, the gangster, the gangbanger. The pimp, the whore, the lifelong felon, drug addict, and drug dealer. Like I said, once again, these are people who are ineligible in my book to ever consider themselves to be kings or queens. Kings and queens are people who are examples of how to conduct yourself, how to deal with life, how to go about life in a manner that others can be proud to even say that they know them because they can learn things from these people. And I hope that you are not in any of these situations. I hope that you are king. I hope that you are a queen. Be you white, be you black, be you Asian. I don't give a damn what you are. You represent not only yourself, you represent your family, you represent your people. Sometimes when you're the only one around, you're the only one being seen by other groups of people, you represent, unfortunately, your whole entire tribe at that instance. And when you represent your whole tribe, how are you doing it? No, that's rhetorical. That's for you to ask yourself. How are you representing your tribe when you're out and about? I hope that you're doing it in a manner that brings pride to every single person that knows you, if they're a member of your tribe or not. And that's all I really wanted to say about that. But like, you know, I like to hit on a subject matter before I move on to other I'm things. I'm kick this off by okay, so the LBGTQ community. What are you doing, man? Really? What the fuck are you guys up to? Now, I'm no homophobe. I don't really give a rat's ass about two consenting adults and what they do. It's none of my business. I don't think it should be anybody's business, right? But why is all this talk about sexuality, sexual orientation, gender identification? Why not just deal with your human rights? Get basic 
human rights where you're not discriminated against. Because other than that, I'm not interested. Uh, has anybody really ever walked into your office and screamed out to everybody in the office that I'm a heterosexual? No, because nobody gives a fuck if you're heterosexual. Nobody cares if you're a virgin. Nobody cares if you're asexual. Or they shouldn't. The people who care about things like that should not matter to you. As long as they can't hold you down, what is the deal with that? I mean, I, I don't even understand certain forms of this. And it's not for me to understand because it's not my life. I don't understand bisexuality. I do not understand pansexuality. You know, I do not understand that everything walking under the sun that I could find sexually attractive. But if that's you, that is you. But it's not our business. I mean, do you guys need to really have a fucking parade all the time? Do you need a whole month to celebrate you? Would you be mad as a community if heterosexuals decided to celebrate themselves a month of the year? Uh, and I know that you would say it because it would be anti-gay. It would mean that you're a homophobe if you want to celebrate heterosexuality. I mean, you get to change terms, them, they. Who the fuck is them and they? Really? Why can't it be him? I mean, she, her. Whatever happened to male and female, they exist. They exist. You can't take them away. What is the agenda? Um, when is somebody from the community going to speak up that there are people who are transitioning over to transgenderism who are way too young to decide their sexuality? A five-year-old boy who thinks that he feels like a girl doesn't even really have the full concept five-year-old girl who thinks she's a boy does not have the full concept yet of what it's going to take to be a male, what it's going to take to be a female in this world. Uh, it's more than sex. It's also mentality. It's also your mindset. And I'm tired of this uh, bullshit diatribe and uh, dialogue that you are brave for coming out. No, you know what? Either you're going to stay in a fucking closet and hide, or one day you're going to reveal yourself. And you're going to definitely have been revealing yourself to those that you're intimate with. So it takes nothing brave to say what you're attracted to. Not in 2023. This is not 1912. This is not a country where you get hung or jailed uh, because you love people of your own sex organs. You know? It's all right to be whoever the fuck you are. I do not care if you like to drag, dress in drag. I do not care about a male who wants to transition to a woman. I do not care about a woman who wants to transition to a male. But I just think that this should not be thrown in our faces every six seconds. I mean, it's almost like people are ashamed to say they're heterosexual. There is no shame in anybody's sexuality unless it's illegal. And then you should be ashamed of your actions. But LBGT community, I'm taking the cue off because I don't even like the word. I don't, I'm, I don't call you that to begin with. So why add it? Do what you do. Mind your own fucking business. Tell uh, you should be telling us to mind our own business. Actually, there's laws against it. You can't just come up to somebody at the job and, and ask them without getting into any trouble. 
are you a homosexual? No, that's an inappropriate question. So for you to answer it without being prompted is also inappropriate to the person who has to hear it. So I wish that there would be some things that would be backed off of. I don't care that you're in every other commercial because nowadays we're telling people, and I don't even like this term, what the fuck is cisgender? Why do I all of a sudden have to be cisgender? Uh, and it seems like there is definitely a male, gay, or transgender agenda to wipe women out. And I don't appreciate it. Some of the most spectacular, brilliant, smart, educated uh, people I've ever met in my life are women, natural born women who have eggs and ovaries, natural breasts. They were born this way. They were in a mistake. And I'm tired of people thinking that God makes all these mistakes. But if it is what you want to do, nobody should be able to stop you. Anything that Doc says right now should go through one end, out the other, as far as telling you what to do. Because I don't live in your skin. I don't know the madness that goes through your brains because you feel like you were slighted. You felt like you were shorted. You felt like you've been wronged by a higher power, by your DNA, by your genes. So if you have a chance to fix it, then fix it. But don't make it everybody's problem. Because we have problems too. And we try to go about our lives not making our agenda the only agenda that matters. And you know what? Once again, what the fuck are you really doing, LBGT community? What are you doing? What are you doing? What's your message that you're sending? Is it positive? Is it about love? Is it about bringing people down? Is it about building people up? Because I don't see a lot of that in it. Just because you wave a flag and have a parade does not mean that you're building anybody up. And that's all I want to say about that situation. It's time. Just thank you very much. There's benefits to listen to music. First of all, I want to start off by saying I come from a generation. I'm going to call it the pre-cable generation. The pre-cable generation, music meant everything to us. When you came in late at night, all you had was late night uh, old movies. And I'm talking about black and white movies. There was no ESPN. There was no MTV to turn to, no BET. So you were dependent upon music between the hours of 2 a.m. to, say, 6 o'clock. You got on TV what was called test patterns. Every channel you turn to was just this test pad or you log type thing where the TV stations actually went off. I hope I'm not dating myself too much, but TV stations used to go off for the evening. They would give you like the national anthem and then they would shut down to the morning. So if you came in from a party and we're not talking 100 years ago, I am talking 1980, 1981, 1982. You came home from a party and you still was in the mood to be up and you was feeling good and you had company. You had to turn on the radio. You had to do that. Well, put some music on. We didn't even have CDs at the time. So music to my generation and all generations before me are very important because the radio was the boss. TV wasn't the boss. The radio was the boss. I mean, we are talking about the NBA championship games were held on three o'clock in the afternoon on tape delay. That did not stutter. The NBA championships were on tape delay three o'clock in the afternoon. 
the World Series was played when I was coming home from school. This stuff wasn't even prime time at that time. The Super Bowl was not as big as it is. There was no WrestleManias. There was no UFC. You get the point. I don't want to bore you with that. So the benefits of listening to music, other than being just enjoyable as fuck, is that it, it helps you with emotions. It clears your thoughts or makes you think about things. It motivates you. It's a coping mechanism. Some people are sad. Some people are happy. It's like almost a drug. It allows you to express yourself through dance, art, and being a musician yourself. You can feel spirituality through music. It makes you feel good. It makes you reflect on situations, times going by, things that you might want to do in the future. It's a great storyteller. If you have the time to sit down and listen to your artists as they're performing and they're doing their song, their rap, or whatever the form of music might be, there might be a great story that they tell you. Music is great for memories, reflecting on memories. And think about this. What do you know most of in your life? If you was to add up everything that you can and will be able to do, I guarantee you the amount of songs that you know from beginning to end, or at least when you hear them, will be at the top of the list of the things that you remember the most out of any subject matter. Music helps people connect. Think about it. you got clubs you go to. Some people, you're only there because you're a club together. It gives co-workers something to go out and enjoy together. If you go to a barbecue or picnic, it's not as much fun or the beach without some music playing. Music relaxes you. I mean, and I already mentioned, it helps with your ability to remember. It can help you with your mood. We all like to most part, I'm, I hate to put everybody in one category. For the most part, we all like to exercise to some form of music. Some people sleep to music, so it's a stress releaser. Music is a cooperation when you create it with others. You have to cooperate if you're a drummer with the guitar player. The guitar player has to cooperate with the piano player. And the piano player has to cooperate with the, the lyricist. So it's all a cooperation. Music is a language that everybody on the planet understands. It's the one common denominator we all have. You do not have to understand the words of a song to feel a vibe from music. And in that being said, there are certain people in my life, and my life would be a lot emptier if I didn't have Nina Simone, if I didn't have Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel and Florence and Eddie and Stevie Wonder, and that was Eddie Vedder. If I didn't have who I consider the creator of modern music, Louis Armstrong, Tupac, Eminem, Pearl Jam, Genesis, Pink Floyd, which is Roger Waters and David Gilmore. If I didn't have Depeche Mode in my life, which is, for the most part to me, David Gahan. And I'm going to get to Pearl, I mean, Depeche Mode later on. But you know what? Music means so much to me. It is, uh, I love music. Literally, I love music. You know, the OJs had that song, I love music, any kind of music. 
you know, Bob Molly told you that once it hits you, you won't feel no pain. I mean, sometimes there is pain in music, but it's a sweet pain. It's a pain of memory. Times gone by. Uh, what would your life be? Just ask yourself that question. What would your life be without music? Would it be the same? Would it be less fulfilling? Would it be, what would it be? I cannot answer that question for you. I just know that I've learned a lot. I felt a lot. Sometimes I didn't want to feel, and music made me feel in a situation. So I appreciate music. I appreciate all people who try to go out there and perform good music. I love to see it live. I love to listen to it on wax. I love to listen on CD. I like to listen to old concerts. Uh, and I thank YouTube for allowing me to tap into some music that I may not own, some music that I learn about. So YouTube, as far as social media outlets go, is my number one source of places to go to find music. And I just appreciate the whole situation, I mean, because it's so uplifting. Now, we're going to move on to the regular. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.